0: All right, good morning, everyone. A very warm welcome to you. I'm so grateful that we truly are starting to enjoy some warmer temperatures, um, starting to kind of show these legs off to the world again, uh, starting to enjoy some brise again, and although winter doesn't stop me, but it's just wonderful to be outside with the family, enjoying the pool, enjoying friends, and I really pray that this is your experience as well, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen. I have the privilege of leading here together with our team. And um, it's so wonderful to have you here with us. And welcome to all of those who are joining us here online. A few weeks ago, we started a brand new series called Anxious for Nothing. And what we're trying to help us all understand is maybe you're sitting here saying, Stephen, this is exactly what I need right now because of what I'm carrying in life. And so you're just sitting on the edge of your seats waiting to hear what God's going to say to you. Others of you are sitting there saying, I don't know if I need, you know, a sermon on anxiety. And I'm just trying to say to us that there are challenges that every single one of us are facing. And at some level, we are going to be dealing with those challenges emotionally. And God is so good. He wants to meet us in those spaces. He wants us to know His goodness and His presence in those places of challenge and anxiety. And so let me just say this to you, that when we kind of put a sermon series together, yeah, it's great to hear a message, but we kind of think about it like a puzzle in the sense that what's going to make the most sense is to have this piece plus this piece, plus that piece, plus today's message and next week's week's message. And while the standalone messages, hopefully God speaks to us, a greater picture starts to emerge. And guys, I promise this is not about getting likes and clicks and shares on YouTube and social media. This is rather creating facility for every single one of us to engage fully with God in our space of anxieties and challenge. And so today, the sermon title is called Real Relationships. Relationships. Because as we deal with challenges, God's vision is that we don't carry them alone. Rather, one of His good gifts to us is good relationships, whereby we live our challenges out together. We love and support each other. And as we deal with these anxieties God's gift to us are the people on your left and right and behind you and in front of you. Now, some of you may be aware of this, but there is a tide of change happening when it comes to relationships right now. And I use the tide on, the word tide on purpose because if I talk about waves of change, it kind of implies, you know, and then you know, we turned upside down and right side up and then upside down again. Whereas a tide is a bit of a slower mechanism. That if you're watching the waves for a few minutes, you're not gonna notice any change in tide. However, if you love fishing such as me, I've had this experience, and I know many other people who have had this experience, where at the low tide, you go out to the furthest rocks you can get to so you can put your baits where the fish are. But if you're not thoughtful about the tide you're gonna turn around and discover you're gonna have a very painful and wet swim back to shore. And so the tide has come up on us unexpectedly and left us isolated and detached, and in this case, from relationships. So what are the kinds of things and mechanisms at play moving us towards isolation? Now, I'd love to get to the time where we don't have to talk about COVID anymore All right, and in many ways, COVID has come and kind of gone. However, it has left its imprint on our lives. And as we think about relationships, it is definitely still impacting us. You see, remember when those hard lockdowns happened, what did we need to do? Well, we needed to isolate ourselves and isolate ourselves from in-person relationships. Now, some of you took the opportunity to kind of take a time off from people in general, right? Because we were told that it was only gonna be three weeks. Some of you stayed connected, some of you kind of stuck under the radar and still went and saw your family and friends. I'm not looking at anybody here. <laughs> However, what was supposed to be a short-term coping mechanism Removing ourselves from in-person relationships for many of us has become the new normal, a way of life. And the reason is, some of us are struggling with relational re-entry. Others of us are saying, I actually prefer the isolation or it's too hard to do the relational re-entry. And so here we are, all of us struggling with this tide that's moving us towards detachment in relationships. The second big mechanism, I think, at play at the moment for all of us, not just the young people, is technology. Now, I'm 42, and I don't want to sound like one of those old people, because I truly love technology that works, right? Right? One of my favorite tech, and I know it's not that new, but wow, I love Google Maps. There are people in this hall that my father and I included who have the Joburg City map imprinted on their brains. And so whenever they tell you where to go, it's like, go here, take this off ramp, turn right, you're gonna see that shop, you're gonna see that dude, and go over there and you'll see the place. I'm not listening because i got Google Maps. (laughs) For good or for bad, right? Problem is, when we run out of power, what are we gonna do? I love access to any song that I want, any album that I got, a song that I remembered from my childhood, I can just go and find and play right now. I love access to books. I can buy a book now and start reading it now. And every time I go anywhere, I have all my digital books available with me. I love that tick. However, when it comes to tick, if I'm honest with you, it's more of a love hate relationship. Study after study has shown us, for example, that we were never meant to multitask at the level that many of us are multitasking. You know, when we open a browser and we read, we have one tab open for our email, one tab open for the news, another tab open for something that we're looking for, and eventually we've got 20, 30 tabs open, and we think that that's how our brains should work, that is not how our brains are designed to work. And so that's gonna tire us out. Also, it has been proven, and I'm, when it comes to conspiracies, let me just let you know, I'm a bit of a anti-conspiracy. If I smell a conspiracy, my default, right or wrong, is to kind of actually move in the opposite direction. This is not conspiracy. This is demonstrably true that those big, Algorithms and big people behind our tech, they are intentionally triggering our anger and our outrage cycles in order to keep us glued to our screens. Social media is amazing. I mean, the, the other day, I was able to be on a WhatsApp phone call uh, and video phone call where one of my friends was on the beach in Neisner. Another one of my friends was in Germany, and the three of us were able to have an hour-long video chat. And so I love that. I love that access. However, man, on social media, we can have 4,000 friends, and once again, the data isn't lying here that we are moving towards loneliness. My worth is being determined by how many clicks and likes and follows I've got. I'm comparing my normal life or my lowlights with everybody else's highly curated social media feed, which isn't even real most of the time. And so I walk away feeling less than, feeling more isolated. All of this is making in-person relationships increasingly difficult. I saw an app the other day called the gotta go app the gotta go app this is where you're going to be in a social environment and you know you don't want to stick around too long so you program your phone in the app to receive a text or a phone call it's got a prepackaged excuse for you so you can make your duck it's called the gotta go app the gotta go no all right some of you are like app store right now And then finally, our devices for most of us are on 24 hours a day. No wonder we are not only heading towards higher levels of anxiety at the same time, we are moving to higher levels of isolation. And if you haven't figured it out together, those are going to feed into each other. I say all of this because if we are not aware of this tide that is happening, if we go into cruise gear, we are gonna find ourselves like those fishermen, when did I become so isolated? When did I become so detached? And the swim back is gonna be very tough. So let's allow God's word to encourage us this morning. And I'm going to be reading from 1 Peter 4 verses 8 to 10 because I believe, as I said at the beginning, that relationships in general and biblical church community specific is God's gift to us. Not only in our good times, but even in our anxious times. So let's read together. 1 Peter 4 verses 8 to 10. I'm going to read the whole passage and then we're going to walk through it step by step. Above all... Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now in these few short verses, there's some great encouragement for us. And the first one is this where Paul writes here, above all, love each other deeply, the first thought is, we need each other's love. Whether we know it or not, love is like oxygen to us. In fact, I could even argue that love is more important than oxygen to us, especially in our time of need and anxiety and challenge. Now, some of you are saying, amen. Others of you are saying, Stephen, I wish that was true. Because when I engage other Christians, when I engage people in church, I'm not experiencing people who are loving each other deeply. Rather, I'm experiencing judgmentalism, hypocrisy. I am being ignored. And so, Stephen, I wish what you're saying would be true, but my experience has been anything but, and I know that is so real for many of us. And so as a pastor, and I believe this choice is for every single one of us, I've got two options because I know the stories. I've experienced some of those stories. we have got two options. Option one is, you know what Jesus, the church experiment was a wonderful idea. We've given it a good shot but I think it's about time we should be done with it. Option A. Option B is where we say, maybe even against all odds, I'm gonna trust that when Jesus says, I am still building my church, that He is doing that. That when Jesus says, you will know and the world will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Jesus, I'm going to, against all odds, despite my experiences, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust your word, your activity and your vision for your church. Listen, I want to say this with all integrity. For every story, bad story that we've experienced, and for every bad story making news headlines for the wrong reasons about God's children, there are hundreds and thousands of stories that never make the headlines. But there are people who have experienced God's love, who have experienced God's grace, who have experienced God's grace and love through other believers in powerful, powerful ways who have given and received love deeply. And so that is why I know that Jesus is not yet done with his church. And that is the vision I want to hold out for us because we need each other's love. Think about it. In the beginning, when God created, he created Adam. And oh, Adam had it good, man. Adam was in the most beautiful nature, surrounded by God's amazing creation with all of these beautiful animals and God's manifest presence. Doesn't that sound amazing? And yet, it was in that moment that God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Adam could already engage the love of God. He could already enjoy being in God's beautiful creation. And yet, the way God solved the problem of man's loneliness was through other human beings. We need each other's love. Secondly, second big thought for us is that we need each other's grace. Verse eight, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, if the place I'm about to go to now sounds like something I'm always going on about, it is because it is something I'm always going on about. And if you've heard it 20 times, today you're hearing it for the 21st time because I'm really hoping it starts to get in us. When so many people think about the church, the first thought is not people who love each other deeply and who are able to overlook a multitude of sins. For many people. And unfortunately, social media hasn't done us any favors here. The first thought they have is judgmentalism. We often defend that by quoting verses about, oh, we need to confront sin. We need to take sin seriously. We need to be places of truth. And if you know anything about me, of course we need to be places of truth. Jesus took sin so seriously, he climbed on a cross to die in our place. And yet when it comes to our role in being people of truth, yes, we need to believe truth, But when it comes to confronting people with their, maybe their error or maybe their sin, the Bible is also giving us incredible wisdom as to how and when the state your heart needs to be in before you confront someone else. Which let me just say, maybe social media isn't the best place for that. John 14 says that when Jesus came, He came full of grace and truth. Not 50-50, not 20-80, not 80-20, but 100-100. Again, something you've heard here so many times. And I have become fundamentally convinced there is a divine order to that grace and truth. If you read the narratives of Jesus Christ, whenever He engaged a sinner, He led with grace, which paved the way for truth. Romans 2, verses four, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. If ever we notice when Jesus is getting in the face of people, confronting them, 9.5 times out of 10, he is confronting a religious person, a self-righteous person, whose religiosity and self-righteousness is an obstacle to those who are needing free access to grace. Now listen, when it comes to the kinds of things that trigger our anxieties, there are clearly a whole bouquet of things and it can get quite complex. But if we are to kind of draw that up in a bit of a pie chart, I guarantee that for most of us, the biggest slice of the pie will be concerning the following line that runs through our minds. To what degree we're aware of it, I don't know. But I am not dash enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not clever enough. For my kids, I'm not strong enough. I'm not fast enough. Right? And so we've got our inadequacies that are just on repeat in our minds. And with that comes so much shame. And then, of course, we've got our past. We've got the sins of our past. And maybe for some of us, the sins of our presence, which are just highlighting the sense of shame and inadequacy within us. And so I believe that one of the things that God wants us to experience in community as a reflection of how Jesus accepts us and how he loves us, is that we are part of a community that is able to overlook a multitude of sins. Am I saying we never get to iron sharpen iron? No, of course not. I'm just saying we don't lead with that. We don't lead with that. Randy Alcorn says we build bridges of grace that can bear the weight of truth. And so this is the kind of community that I need that meets me in my shame and tells me that I don't have to perform, that my acceptance here is not based on my looks, is not based on my performance, is not based even on my holiness or my righteousness or my past or my present or my future. But I'm in a place of grace and love. Number three, Paul moves on and he says in verse nine, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So the third thought for us this morning is that we need to be in each other's spaces. Once again, social media can connect us in amazing ways. However, I do believe that the social sciences and the scriptures are agreement in this, that something goes up with regards to the quality of relationship and the benefits of relationships when we are able to connect in person. We are embodied beings after all. And I truly believe that real relationships and social connections are powerful antibodies to our anxieties. And that means we need to get into each other's spaces. Now, I'm going to be the first to say I love Sundays. In particular, I'll be honest with you, I love full, energetic, inspired, powerful Sundays. And in many ways, Sundays are the best place for some of the things that God wants us to be and do as a church. But Sundays are not the only place for us to be the church of Jesus Christ fully. There are many things that we can kind of do in part, and we're gonna talk about that in a second, but are better expressed when we get into smaller groups of community, over a coffee table from one another, on a bike next to one another, into each other's homes, eating a real meal. Listen to just a handful of some of the one another verses That we have in Scripture. Serve one another. Bear with one another in love. Speak and sing the words of God together. Teach and challenge one another. Do not give up meeting together. Be hospitable to one another. Confess to one another. Eat and drink together. I think there's one more I added in there. Live in harmony with one another. And that's about a third of the one another's in Scripture. And I'm sure that you can see just from that little snapshot that we can do some of those on a Sunday. But the only way we truly going to embody some of those one another's is in smaller groups of community, which is why here at Riverside, one of the things we go on about all the time is life groups. Now, the point is not life groups. The point is biblical community. You can call it what we want, but how do we get into our homes? How do we share a meal and share God's word and walk in faith together towards Christ? Because we need each other. But this verse is this maybe about life groups, but also about hospitality. And I love that Paul is just so honest here, saying, do this without grumbling. Because I know some of us, oh, I've had such a long week. I just really don't feel like people in my home this Sunday. I just really don't feel like washing dishes for 20 people after they come and go, right? And they've eaten my food. And so as we think about hospitality, I'm just going to throw out a couple of very practical thoughts. Number one, you don't have to master shepherds. If you're not having people into your home until you're at the point where you can master shepherds and you have enough bucks to master shepherds, If that's what's stopping you, just stop it. There's nothing wrong with a bring and briar. There's nothing wrong with a bring and share. Listen, there's nothing wrong with brewery rolls and a little slice of tomato and lettuce and the kids in the pool. The greater goal is not to impress people with your cooking. And I know some of you have that gift. Please use it for God's kingdom's sake. But that's not the goal. The goal is let's get into each other's homes. Cup of coffee and a pack of biscuits in the afternoon. Right? Maybe some of you want to pick this challenge up. Maybe once a month, maybe even once every two months. I know you have the people you like to connect with, but maybe you're going to challenge yourself to, on a semi-regular basis, invite someone else around. Right, so you're going to say, well, and here's another, just a little bit of a clue here, is to say, well, here's a family that I enjoy connecting with, but here's a family that I want to connect with. Let me have them both around at the same time. Don't forget our amazing singles and our young adults and our youth as well in this. Don't think that because you're on the other side of 40, that they don't want to be in relationship with you. Maybe you just want to have a whole bunch of people around. But in that, about half the people you know, about the other half of the people you don't know, there are so many ways that we can do this and start fulfilling biblical hospitality. And if dishes is your issue, number one, paper plates. Number two, just get everyone in the kitchen. Here's a towel. Go for it. Finally, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We need to serve each other. And I think that that does include our church ministries, where we are not just simply here to receive, but we're here to give. Because up to now, everything has been about what I can get from biblical community, Maybe this is more about what I can give towards biblical community. Oh, but Stephen, I'm so tired. I'm so anxious. I don't know if I've got anything to give. Well, first of all, God's word says very clearly that each one has something to give. Oh, but Stephen, I just don't know if I've got anything to give. Well, you're not giving of yourself. You're giving of God's grace. The picture here. I used to be a waiter for four years at a Chinese restaurant, and someone orders a meal, and they say, "Can I have the beef chow mein?" And then I give the order through. What do I do? I go pick up the beef chow mein and I bring it to the client or to the to the person in the restaurant. It's not my beef chow mein. I didn't make it. I just handed it over. So when we serve each other, we are playing that role towards one another. God hasn't given you a gift for you, but for the people around you. Now, I do know that we are in an era, we've spoken about this, high levels of anxiety, high levels of depression, unprecedented levels, high levels of burnout, and I fully understand that. And so a very live conversation in many sectors is the idea of self-care. And there's a place for that. We need to be stewards of ourselves. We need to be wise. We need to know ourselves well, so that I am receiving, so that I'm able to give. However, I'm a bit nervous that in some cases the pendulum is swinging the other way. Where we are so focused on self care, the irony is when you stay in that place, you're gonna be in greater levels of isolation and high levels of anxiety. You see, I think God has wired us in such a way that one of the ways the Word says it is that it's better to give than to receive. Once again, I was just looking at a number of studies this last week that agree that when we are kind and compassionate and when we serve one another, It is actually beneficial to our mental health. It is beneficial to our anxiety. It is an outlet. Grace received, grace given. Love received, love given. And this is where we kind of hit the limits of digital connections. Now I know for some of us, Doing church online, we've got our many reasons. Sometimes it's a health reason. Sometimes you're away on vacation. Sometimes it's a step that you're taking towards what God is doing in your life and you just need to kind of experience that step in its fullness before you take the next step. But I do just want to say that digital connection is only a means to an end. It is not the end in and of itself. Ultimately, at some point, God's dream for us is this. And not just the Sunday thing. And we start to serve one another. And that only happens when I can be in a relationship where I can get to the point. Listen, my wife and I are hitting a bit of a tough road at the moment. Won't you love me and pray for me? That can only happen after you've walked a bit of a road, right? And you know that this is a safe community. But you grow when you can share that. Others grow when they can meet your need and serve you. Two years later, maybe the shoe's on the other foot and they saying, now we've hit a rough patch in our marriage. And you can serve them. You can love them with the grace and the kindness that you have received. So just as I start wrapping up here, I want to kind of translate some of these bigger ideas into some smaller bite-sized action items so that we don't once again go, great sermon, Steve, and we go away unchanged because God's Word has only impacted us when we make different choices and when our life looks different. So here's first practical thought number one is to commit to this process. And I don't say this with a tone of commit. I say this with a tone of, if we want to experience the benefits of what we've read here this morning, we need to be committed to the long-term vision of biblical community. Listen, once again, I've heard the stories. I've had my own experiences. I've read the news headlines. That is nothing new. The church in the New Testament was already messed up. And yet somehow God's grace and goodness has been so present in the church. And that gives me great hope for us to be committed to this process. Building relationships, these kind of relationships take time. Some of your strongest relationships were built, why? because at school you spent 60 hours a week with your mates. Varsity, weekends, maybe in the workplace, plus drinks on the Friday afternoon, plus golf on Saturday. We come to church every third week. We have 10 minutes of coffee after the service and we wonder why we're not experiencing biblical community. And if I'm honest with you, the older I get, the harder this gets. So, we need to be committed to the process. I, one appeal to those of you out there who can just identify with that guy fishing on the rock alone. If you're starting to realize that you're drifting towards isolation, please stop. Recognize that this trajectory is going to take you further and further and further away into isolation. Turn around. Maybe catch a fresh vision of who Jesus is and what he is wanting to do in your life through the people around you. So, number one is to commit. Number two is to create. I'm sure every pastor has stood on a platform like this and has said, there is no such thing as a perfect church, and that is true. And so, even when it comes to biblical community, listen, every single one of us at various levels are still trying to re-engage community, which means every single one of us are kind of hobbling forward into community or maybe away from community. All to say this, don't look for perfect biblical community, help create community. Number three, be curious. I've already said that Relationships take time. There is no life hack for quick relationships. We cannot microwave meaningful relationships. However, if there was a life hack to smooth that whole process out, it is this, learn to ask good questions. Be curious. And as you ask good questions, Learn how to follow up with more questions. Tell me more about that. Oh, wow, that is so interesting. I'd love to hear more. And then when you see them next week, how was that interview? How is your kid doing? You said they were sick last week. Just that single idea, I promise you, can make engagements into relationships just so much easier. And number four, we need to make a choice. Now, maybe it's intimidating. I don't know. We've got about 200 people here this morning. And you're like, how on earth am I going to get to know 200 people? Well, maybe the goal isn't to get to know 200 people. Maybe the goal is to take a small step. And over the course of the next 6 to 12 months, to get to know 5 to 10 people. But if every single one of us did that, I just guarantee you that those circles are going to start overlapping And before we know it, there's going to be such a sense of community amongst us. A whole lot of small steps will eventually take us to where we want to be. But we do need to make a choice. So what is your first step? So up to now, I've been speaking mostly to those who are maybe needing the challenge to step into relationship. But now I want to provide the next C, which is a challenge to those who are already experiencing great relationships. And I know it's for some of you here this morning. I'm preaching to the choir, and you are like Stephen. I've got my life group. I've got my equip group. I've got great friendships in the church, and I'm so glad for you. But unintentionally, once again, if we're not intentional and thoughtful about this, when we connect off the church, when we go for tea and coffee, we're going to look out for our mates. And there are others amongst us who took great risk to be here this morning. Who stepped outside of their comfort zone, hoping to find love, hoping to find grace, only to find themselves ignored. And so my challenge to those of us who have found community is to look out for those who are new. Look out for those you don't know. And so just to maybe help that process become a little bit smoother, here's a few kind of hints for you. The one is, hi, I don't think we've met yet. My name is. Every single one of us can do that. All right? Ask good questions, follow up. Maybe you can say, oh, you like playing golf. Let me introduce you to dot, dot, dot. Oh, wow, you love riding bikes. Let me introduce you to. Oh, wow, you live in South Africa. Let me introduce you to. Can I get your number? I'd love you to join our life group. Oh, wow, you live in Brackendowns. We're like on the other side of the world. Can I connect you with the life group there? Steve, names of life groups in Brackendowns, please. And then finally, Christ. Listen, I love the fact that so many of us can connect about shared interests, be it golf, Grand Prix, rugby, camping, bikes, whatever. But when it comes to Jesus' vision for the church, Jesus' vision for the church is not primarily that we connect over shared interests, but that the truest shared interest that we have is that we are in Christ. And that at some level, that becomes our primary point of connection. Which is why if you want to have a, a camping group and a biking group and a golf group, please do those, those things. Please Catalyze community by doing those things, please. But at the end of the day, what you need most is God's word and God's people. And when those two come together, God can truly begin working in our lives. In fact, I think a real growth starts to happen in us when I learn how to connect to people who are different to me. I am matured when I fall forward trying. And that is what God wants for us. And this is why Jesus can say, the world will know that these people are mine by the love that they have for one another. And so I want to end off by saying that the church, absolutely yes. Should be, despite our fallings, despite our failings, despite our own hypocrisy, the church should be a safe place, a place of grace, a place of love, and a place of healing. And I believe that there are many churches around the world who aren't making headlines for the wrong reasons, whose pastors aren't famous, who don't have huge social media followings, who don't have big worship albums. And some of those churches are wonderful, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of churches who aren't making headlines, but that are growing in biblical community and Riverside Community Church, can we be one of those? No matter how much or how little we grow, can, can we be one of those? I know that this is gonna demand something of us. And maybe some of you are looking at your schedule and your energy and you're saying, I can't afford to do this, Steve. I honestly believe that we can't afford not to. So as we just try and personalize what God has said to every single one of us, let us pray. Jesus, once again, you have modeled this for us. You were in perfect community with the Father and the Spirit you had all your needs met in fullness to a degree of an experience of love and and unity that we will never fully comprehend the side of heaven. And yet for the sake of love and for the sake of grace and for the sake of salvation, you stepped out of that, entered our world, demonstrating love and grace and salvation to us so that we could be included in your community. And that person by person, as they are each included in your community of love, we become connected to each other in a community of love and grace. Father, for those of us who are maybe just holding some heart-sore experiences, Meet us there, meet us there with grace, meet us there with forgiveness, meet us there with a deeply placed grand vision for Jesus, your vision of church and community. Lord, your word doesn't hide the fact that there are going to be difficult moments, Having said that, God, as we commit to this process and as we risk, as we step out in faith, God, I pray that you would do something that is truly you. And that at some level, the world will know that we are the disciples of Jesus Christ, but by the love and grace that is given and received here at Riverside Community Church, be it on a Sunday, be it in our homes, be as we show this love to our neighbours and those who need grace. Holy Spirit, please be deeply at work amongst us. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Before you.